0: Welcome back to the Earth On Survival Guide. This is the podcast for all disciplines, paths, players, and game masters, and the questers that are Josh and myself. I am Dan. I am Josh. And on today's podcast, we will be discussing all things quizzical and confidential as we're going to dive into the first edition source book, The Secret Societies of Bar Save. But first, we have a few emails to get to. Let's talk about what we got first. Hi, Dan and Josh. My immediate thought when you discussed the pop culture references for the outcast was Samuel Tarly from Game of Thrones. Cast out and banished from his homeland and family because he was not manly enough to uphold the honor of his house. He recognizes his punishment, but instead of trying to be something he is not in an effort to redeem himself, he spends the entire series proving his worth by using his many other talents in academia and devoting his life to his friends and the Night's Watch. Any thoughts on this? Thanks for the breakdown of the paths. I especially love the outcast for the character development theme, and the windmaster is an amazing way to level the physical downside of playing a Windling Warrior or other physical discipline. Karma Bombs! Love that idea. A missing job as always, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. That actually is a pretty good reference.
1: In the case of Samwell, it is not an exile that he sought. It was one that was sort of imposed on him. It wasn't like he stood up for something right and was cast out as a result. But I think the rest of it holds very, very accurately in that regard. So, yeah, good good call. I, I like that one.
0: Yeah, I think it was very well done. And your explanation was perfect. So I think we can definitely include that one from here on out. Uh, so if anyone's looking for a nice example go back and watch game of thrones all 9 seasons. You can make you know you
1: can cover that in a week. Or actually there were there were only 7. 7. And the last one was apparently not particularly good. I gave up after like the first one <laughs> primarily because it was on HBO and I didn't have HBO.
0: Uh, Yeah, I didn't have HBO when it started. I finally had it when it ended, but I wasn't going to go back and rewatch all... I just don't have time for that. So if you enjoyed it, enjoy it. Go for it. Knock yourself out. Uh, On to the one from Ted. very quick question. Uh, Good evening, gentlemen. He doesn't know us very well. Thanks for gentlemen. Uh, A quick question about which disciplines practice enchanting. There is a list from the Companion, but with Mystic Paths coming afterward, is the Shaman included on that list? Consumables make sense for nature-oriented magicians. Ted.
1: Yes, Ted, the shaman is included because the knacks that allow enchanting for spellcasters are based off of pattern craft, and there are no other restrictions on those pattern craft knacks. So the shaman, by virtue of having pattern craft, gets access to those knacks and the stuff that is associated with it. The only thing that would be a potential issue... Is that a shaman would not do any kind of enchanting that would enslave or bind a spirit. So that would be a design aspect that would not be available to them unless they wanted to be completely against one of the core tenets of their discipline.
0: Fair. Good question, Ted. I'm, I'm pretty sure anybody else listening had the same question you did, but you got to it first. So we will take that. Lastly, from our good friend Chad... This is, hi, dear Josh and Dan this time. I wanted to write to apologize for leaving Dan's name out of my previous email. I've listened to most of your episodes and absolutely appreciate everything that Dan brings to the podcast. The only reason Dan's name was left out was because the email began as a Facebook message. I would incorrectly conflated podcast Josh with the moderator of the Earthon Guild on Facebook. When that, Josh politely pointed out that he was not podcast, Josh. I copied and pasted the text into an email, sending it away without properly correcting the greeting. Uh, The day the podcast was released, I woke up to a Discord message from our Game Master pointing out that I'd snubbed Dan and would no doubt suffer strain damage and embarrassment. If explanation isn't appeasement enough, please allow me to make up for it with an extra sticker for Dan. Hit me back with a P.O. Box when you get a chance. We'll do so. So... You've done an excellent job in previous episodes, episode 19, Beastmasters, for example, speaking how to how players might work with their GM to tweak discipline talents to fit their vision of a discipline. While I'm writing, I thought I might also champion the Using All Talents to Advance option on page 453 of the Earthdawn Players Guide when we had a Beastmaster join our group. I used the optional advancement rules to pivot my shaman away from a wilderness, survival, and animal-related talents, thereby freeing the narrative space for our new member. This allowed me to fill in some thiefy gaps. By circling up with the likes of Astral Sight and Stealthy Stride. While it does require a bit more bookkeeping, it's absolutely worth it, and besides, spreadsheets are fun! A minor point of contention among our group is whether the talent options used to level count as Discipline Talents. I maintain that the Discipline Talents remain as listed, even though they are no longer used for any advancement. At each circle, a character could be progressing with wildly different talents, provided one is from the most recent circle attained. This debate doesn't really impact play, but rules dorks that we are. That hasn't stopped us discussing it. Our crotchety Elvin Weaponsmith dislikes overly verbose messages as deeply as he reveres Josh, so I'll close here. Thank you again for your work in making our hobby better. Game on, Chad. Thank you, Chad.
1: Yeah, Using the all talents to advance option does not affect what the discipline talents are for a given discipline. Those remain the same. It did matter in third edition because the discipline talents were the only ones that would allow karma, and you couldn't spend karma on talent options, even if you were using some variant of an All Talents to Advance rule, which was, I believe, in 3rd edition. With 4th edition, we got rid of that limitation and just opened up the ability to spend karma on any test that you are rolling that is a discipline. And so the labeling of things as a discipline talent is a legacy of that rule's development and makes it in some ways a little bit easier to describe how advancement works if you are using the standard by the book option.
0: Fair enough. Thank you again, Chad. We'll definitely hit you up with some P.O. boxes or other email addresses to get us those stickers. Appreciate those left and right. Uh, If anybody else out there has a question for us along anything we've ever talked about or are going to talk about, uh, feel free to email us at edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Sorry for the T whistle in the background. I'll take care of that. (laughs) And otherwise, folks, I'm going to apologize now for my voice. I'm just getting on the other side of COVID. So I'm going to try and edit out as many coughs as are going to come to me tonight. So the more I talk, the more I'm going to cough. Sorry about all that. Anyway, on to our main topic of the evening. Now that we've got the emails done. This is our first deep dive into the secret societies of Bar Save. Has this material kept its timeline or do we is there any advancement into fourth edition that we should know about
1: we will discuss that when it becomes relevant for the different ones i have not gone through this book in significant (laughs) depth in a while i looked at the material that is in it for some inspiration for the questors of the mad passions for the questors book I made that information available to the freelancers that were working on the chapters related to those passions. Some of the others, there probably have been some changes or some there are some things that probably will have changed as a result yeah. of events post the setting of this book. For reference, Secret Societies is a book that has quite a bit of in-setting material. The premise of most of the chapters or of the book overall is that they are largely reports and dossiers and intelligence gathered by the Therans on various groups and organizations that are working in Barsave in the post-prelude to war era. So between the landing of the Triumph and the Battle of Pajor's Field and the Second Theron War. So there has been some setting development in the time between when that book is ostensibly set and the present day of fourth edition, but we have not done a lot to directly interface with or reference the material in this book in a way that requires... A significant amount of updating. So one of the things I think we'll probably talk about as we go through these various chapters over the several episodes that the, they're, we're going to cover them on is that I will probably talk about things that will have changed or speculate on some campaign ideas or hooks that would be appropriate for fourth edition. And there are some things we're going to be talking about here with this chapter that actually <laughs> directly relate to some stuff that is related to current events and storylines in Bar Save.
0: Exactly. So we're going to dive into one of the quicker, shorter entries just to get our feet wet a little bit and get everybody used to what we're going to talk about here. I'm going to talk about the s- and save Dan's voice. Yes, and save my voice. We're going to talk about the songbirds, and this is Alakia's kind of spy network. Yes, this
1: is uh, this is Alakia's intelligence network that she uses to perform tasks and gather information in Barsave.
0: Yeah, so most of this information is, uh, comes by way of the exiled blood elf, Vistrosh, who also runs uh, Brocher's Brood in Kratos, but is also the head of the Songbirds, so he's kind of intermingled both of these groups and kind of poaches from the broachers' brood to help out when there's not enough people to go work for the songbirds, because the songbirds are very selective and incredibly highly skilled. But, you know, he'll do what he can. As is the case with anybody
1: that is trusted enough by Her Royal Highness, <laughs> Queen Alakia to... <laughs> the- perform tasks or do things outside of the wood. Much like the blood warders uh, of Bloodwood are also all very knowledgeable and highly skilled individuals. Uh, the agents that she employs through the songbirds are likewise.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, the Therons, the, the first person essay in here, the Therons actually believe that Alakia has spies keeping tabs on Vistrash, not understanding that he's working for Alakia With her consent. So that's kind of where things get... That's where the Therans are misunderstood as far as this is concerned, but the rest of us all know this and that's fine.
1: Right. That is Uh, information that is revealed in the sort of game information section after the in-character essay.
0: Yeah, the in-character essay was... I loved it. It was very well done. Um, Kind of meandered around to get to the point, but it eventually did get there. Uh, The main thing that... The Therans have uncovered, though, is that Vistrosh is looking for Ardelia because Alakia is looking for Ardelia.
1: Yeah, that's one of the threads that runs through some of these post-Prelude to War sort of late first edition source books, particularly uh, some of the information in this one, because the Therans are particularly interested in Ardelia because the dragons are interested in Ardelia and because the Therans are interested, everybody else who has any kind of situation with the the Therans or the (laughs) dragons or whatever is likewise interested in Ardelia. It is speculated in the out of character game information section on this, that part of the reason that Alakia is interested in Ardelia is to potentially use her as leverage to broker some kind of peace or detente or to get some kind of advantage over Mm -hmm. the dragons so that she could use that to achieve something. And, you know, references to her being her niece and things like that. Again, all kind of couching in metaphoric language the relationship that Ardelia has to the dragons and Alakia's own relationship and things like that.
0: It's all speaking in code. They're spies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking speaking in code and, and failed references. Code in the more traditional sense, as opposed to a, a cipher, where you're mm-hmm. trying to like break a a an encrypted message. This is more yeah. using language that could justifiably be referring to any number of things. This chapter also does reference the fact that after being taken from Honto, spoilers, by the way, for Prelude to War, (laughs) a 20-year-old product, information is provided here that hints to where Ardelia was taken. In the wake of the events of Prelude to War that revolve around her, uh, which is also something that comes up in her return in Empty Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, where she is accompanied by someone from Crayana, which is where she had been previously.
0: We could probably just do an entire, we probably just do an entire podcast episode on Ardelia's path <laughs> through all the all the publications.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a definite... That's, a, that's an interesting sort of thread to follow and the various places in books where little references and adventure seeds and whatnot crop up relating yeah. to that whole story. But aside from that, mm-hmm. aside from the interest in Ardelia, which is sort of put forward in this book as one of the more important tasks that the songbirds are following, just in general, Vistrosh acts as kind of the hub of the network that is operating outside of the Bloodwood in terms of Alakia's network. And so any kind of information that would be of interest to the Bloodwood or the court would be of great interest to Vistrosh and the Songbirds. Uh, If you look at the Elven Nations book, for example which kind of has a thread running through it with regards to the potential redemption of the wood and issues that are going on with that, possibly with the acorns of Oakheart being an important item that is being tracked down. The songbirds would absolutely be interested in anything relating to that, probably keeping tabs on the Seekers of the Heart and their activities and membership and what's going on there. So if you are running a game that is dealing to any extent with elven politics, the Bloodwood in particular, but anything that relates to that, so Shosara and Seriatha, uh, any kind of situation that would be of interest to the Bloodwood could have the Songbirds potentially become involved.
0: Totally. Because while the Songbirds report to Illachia and they're incredibly loyal to a Lockie as well. Most or all of them will do so, but the assignments go through Vistrash. So Mostly, they work yeah. for her. Yeah. But he, he does all the fixing and arranging, and he's got this, as I said, complicated network of people that he, he only he knows what everybody's actually doing. Um, even mm-hmm. sometimes using some of Garthic one-eyes people, since he does run this out of Krattus. So he's, Vistrash is nothing.
1: Yeah. Vistrash is to, a- to not take seriously. Vistrosh is absolutely a manipulator and (laughs) and a mover and shaker. Another place that you might look to get information on Vistrosh and his activities would be the third edition Kratos book. I don't know offhand. I don't think it deals too much in the songbirds side of things, but that would definitely give you some insight into Vistrosh as a character character. And what he is potentially up to. One of the things is that the Brokers Brood as a sort of rival to Garlthik's Force of the Eye. Vistrosh doesn't really have a lot of interest in actually taking over Kratos Because that would actually distract from his other duties as a spymaster of sorts but he certainly likes poking the old orc when he can and uh, causing problems and keeping the Force off balance. Related to that, another Empty Thrones-related plotline, because we've got the bit that deals with Daichi and Garlthick and that whole plot that takes place with them, we have not made any real decisions or explored it, but the aftermath of that adventure framework ends up with a new, potentially precarious situation in Kratos. And that is another situation because Vistrash is sort of based out of that, mm-hmm. that could involve him and Broacher's Brood and potentially the Songbirds as a result. What kind of situation is going to develop? In the so-called city of thieves, in the wake yes. of those events,
0: and we'll get to Kratos, but you know that's another show. So most of these songbirds, naturally speaking, are going to be elf adepts. They're highly skilled. They're highly trained. They're obviously going to be uh, put in positions where only they can solve it. So they're going to be up against outnumbered odds. So yes, they're going to be adepts, and since they report to the blood, qu- since they report to the elf queen they're going to be elves. Um, Maybe not necessarily blood elves, but elves. But most of her interests, to Josh's point, are things like the Theron Empire, the Holders of Trust, which is the Denerasis family in Iopas, that's another show, (laughs) House Cotension, the Great Dragons, obviously Ardelia. So there's four or five, six different threads you can pull on here that are Alakia's interests in where to include the songbirds. But... Vistrosh does uh, have this massive network of messengers and couriers because other ways you can kind of weave this in is that he has magically trained messenger birds and he's got trade caravans with long reports that need to be, air quotes, stolen or replaced. (laughs) So every once in a while you go to a caravan, the player characters could go out to a caravan, steal just the itinerary or this long report message, it was never listed on the, on, the, on the inventory list, but there it is. So he's got these caravans on purpose where he's hidden messages that need to be delivered somewhere else. And they'll either be on purpose, stolen in, trans, in transit, or stolen when they get where they're supposed to be going. So he's got this really convoluted network, and he will actually also employ elemental or ally spirits, but those don't go to Alakia herself. Because they wouldn't right. make it into the Bloodwood. So it's not just people transporting messages. Messages, It's not just people. It's all these things to do the work of this entire spy network. So he's employing every possible means. So if you hadn't thought creatively, because I hadn't thought about this in any way, shape, or form, but you know, magically, tra- magically trained birds, uh, elemental or ally spirits as well. So just it's whatever you're thinking of, it's in his realm. Yeah, I saw you had
1: grabbed the uh, Kratos book there. Does it have in there what Vistrash's discipline
0: uh, listing
1: to... is? Not that the like game statistics would necessarily hold over. Yeah, it basically has... So it doesn't have a stat block in there for him?
0: Uh, typical Force of the Eye gang member, and... But yeah, Vistrosh, Disgraced Bloodwater, who leads Breacher's Brood, he's secretly the Queen's Spymaster, leading the Songbirds as well. That's it.
1: Okay, so his stat blocks and information, um, there's a couple of different options for him, but they don't start in the Kratos book until page 57. Ah. There are a couple of different options that are presented.
0: Yeah, because it's a misprint on the page number then. (laughs) There it is. Oh, yeah, he's got a big old picture. Well, page no, like five. his his
1: description, yeah, his description starts like a couple of pages before that. But the options are, let's see, it looks like option one has him uh, illusionist thief and wizard. Option two has uh, illusionist nethermancer wizard and thief talents. Does indicate that he is a a follower of the elven path of uh, the, the, the philosophy that certain elves follow that allow that they change their talents and whatnot, or they yeah. change their discipline over the course of things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they even get some so, fancy spells for down there.
1: Regardless, like, both of those options have Vistrosh as a pretty skilled and significant character with multiple magician disciplines and
0: whatnot. Thievery stuff. Yeah, he's a he's a heavy-duty major NPC, so... Nothing nothing to take lightly with multiple disciplines.
1: He is a challenge for warden slash master adepts in terms of the impact that he would be having on potentially having at least on the setting.
0: So the interesting thing about the in-person essay was the questioning of this spy. The agent. Yeah. Agent. Yes. Um, words are not coming to me tonight, so Josh can do most of the talking. Uh, But the fact that the all songbirds, yes, are swearing a blood oath in loyalty to Alakia, and they, on this blood oath, they cannot reveal their group or their own participation within the group upon penalty of death. And that essay illuminates exactly how quick that death will come if they try to.
1: Yes. It would be Interesting, potentially, like the description of that as a group that swears a blood oath to Alakia with particular requirements, not that we have talked in any way about the creation of such, Mm. but that sounds like something that could very well be path magic. Yeah. In the terms of like, this is a group that swears an oath and has a particularly has a particular objective and goal in mind, and it maybe only be a five rank path. But like we discussed when we were going over the paths, many paths and the structure of paths is suited very well to a secret society kind of situation. And the songbirds, especially if you could come up with one or two interesting or unique tricks that, uh, they could potentially have access to would be a, a interesting
0: yeah, mechanical
1: I- exploration for people who are interested in brewing up something like that.
0: Yeah, this sounds like an, uh, a slight offshoot, or at least a, a a blood elf offshoot of just the woodsmen themselves.
1: Potentially, yeah. I would have it be something completely separate from the woodsman.
0: Yeah, just as a place to start.
1: And I also don't think that this would, unless you're doing a strongly atypical Bloodwood-focused type of campaign, it also doesn't strike me as something that would really be player character-facing, but it would provide some kind of rules structure for the lore to hang on. Especially, like I said, if you could come up with one or two interesting little magical tricks or knacks that would only be available to them.
0: Yeah. Somewhere between like the messenger path and the woodsman path, you know, some kind of combination yeah. hybrid thing. Cause the messengers, as we already discovered are a spy network air quotes. Um, and this is right on that, right on that same path, just, you know, Locky own spy network. So
1: it's not required that that be the case. It's just an interesting idea yeah. in terms of how something like that might work.
0: No, I think you're right. I hadn't, thought of it being a path magic, but I think you're right. It, it, it's that makes it explained very easily as to how that would work and what type of blood oath that could possibly be. So at the end of the essay in the game section, there are two little adventure hooks to get people in. Uh, are those still valid for fourth edition? Do you think, or cause I think they're pretty generic to do so.
1: Well, One of them is absolutely not, unless you are doing some kind of timeline shifting. Mm, Fair. If you are set in the fourth edition timeline, which is to say post-second war, Mm -hmm. then one of those threads relates to Alakia's interest in finding out where Ardelia has gone off to after her abduction. And that is obviously not really valid (laughs) um, anymore. That is something that would have been valid timeline-wise. Yeah. A few years before where 4th edition is currently set.
0: Because it was because di- at that point, they were just shifting her off to Kriana, but still, Laki wants to know where she is.
1: The other one is more sort of just a generic adventure hook that intersects with something happening with the Songbirds, but doesn't really provide any insight into what it might be. It would be useful as a hook that exposes the characters to the idea of them that you might want to develop later on, but it is otherwise pretty generic. It's you're guarding a caravan, an elf is skulking about and runs away if noticed or makes off with something, and if not captured, there's no indication that anything was actually stolen, intersecting with the thing you talked about earlier where Vistrosh uses caravans mm-hmm. as ways of distributing messages across the the province. And so there are basically options for if they capture the elf and if they don't. Yeah. But there's not a whole lot within that idea, which is really just a couple of paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Here's, a, here's a, an encounter, really, more than anything. I don't even know that I would necessarily <laughs> go to say it's a full-blown adventure. Yeah. But it is an encounter that is inspired by or connected to the information that is presented there for the songbirds. The other one is a little bit more meta plot related in that regard.
0: Yeah. So as I said, this was a rather quick one, but it's a nice little way to get our feet wet into the secret societies. Uh, Also gives Josh another opportunity to talk about Alakia, the garbage person. Um,
1: Look, we didn't talk about Alakia that much. (laughs) We're not going to talk about Alakia that much with
0: this. (laughs) Fair. We could stretch. Just kidding. Um, But as I said, her her interests are at least four or five little areas to pull on. The Theron Empire, the Holders of Trust, uh, the House Contention, the Great Dragons, Ardelia herself. So there's at least five right there among, you know, you can probably make up one or two more.
1: Yeah, House house Contention, also House um, Ishkarat. Yeah, actually, probably be even more interesting than House Contention. Contention because of their affiliation with Thera, but Ishkarat has the association with the Denerastus, And also is potentially muscling in on the Serpent River and Eidolon, which would be a problem if that fell to the Ishkarat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So there are many, many ways, if you are writing your own adventures as the Game Master, to kind of work in the secret society of the Songbirds. If you're in and around Kratos, if you are anywhere dealing with any of those things we just listed off those two, uh, to scrying houses, the Theron empire, always, um, anything to do with the dragons that we just covered as far as those episodes are concerned. So I think this is, uh, ripe for the harvesting (laughs) as far as, yeah, if you want a story thread, here's how to work them in, in a number of ways. This group is not a huge mover and shaker
1: in terms of its involvement in various events they're more kind of there and are useful to grab if you are going to be dealing to any extent with elven politics or if you want to have a complication or other situation that comes about as a result of interacting with things that the queen would be interested in. Yeah. One of the classic kind of Spy situations is when you have multiple parties that are all kind of going after the same information and the potential short-term alliances and or double crosses and stuff that can come about as a result of it. Throwing the songbirds in there as a mysterious group of elves that clearly have an interest in something, but they're... Secretiveness kind of makes it a little bit difficult to do more than, well, I mean if you're if you're dealing with the specific highly powered agents, yeah. they're difficult to deal with. And Vistrash, I think does quite a bit to minimize how much people who have not sworn that oath actually know about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it would be a case where you would have some other party getting involved in affairs that could potentially turn out to be helpful or a hindrance depending on what's going on and what you might want to do at any particular moment in your little uh, espionage thriller of an adventure.
0: Yeah. So I think it's, like I said, just a nice little way to dabble and get your feet wet a little bit. Maybe you could have the party be hired out by Vistrosh or one of his agents to go steal something, bring it back, he's compartmentalizing everything. So what you're going to be told is not anything about what's actually going on. So if he's shorthanded, maybe he'll hire the adepts out. Who knows? But just a thought. Uh, Any further thoughts on this rather short entry? No, I think we've covered everything pretty nicely
1: with this. Like you said, this is kind of an easy one to start off with in terms of... What they would be involved with, much like some of the dragons that are not as involved in everything. Yeah. You know, this is a group that you would bring out for particular purposes because of the themes or stories or whatever that you are basing your game around. But unlike some of the others that we will be talking about later in this series, (coughs) they don't need to make an appearance if you don't find them compelling or relevant to yeah. what's going on.
0: But this at least adds to the nice little tapestry of, uh, goings on, at least in A, the Bloodwood and B and Kratis and C, you know, between those two areas and, or the people involved in those areas. So I think if you were interested by this, you can work with it. If not, at least for the players, you know, it kind of adds to the rich tapestry of the background scenes and background people in most of what's going on in bar save so uh nice little nice little addition to it all there and i hadn't read this in 20 years as well so it's nice to dust this off and oh yeah fill in some blanks about x y and z so all good there if you folks have any questions for us about anything we talked about here today or uh didn't talk about here today because we forgot something whatever drop us a line at edsgpodcast at gmail.com and until next time folks um Gilby secret be secret with your legend. Or don't, you know.
1: Good night, everybody.